This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Mary, how are you doing today? Doing well. The Canes have started. Oh, yes. Hockey season is here. Hockey yes. season is here. <laughs> and the fair is just around the corner. It's it's, it's a fun time. I know. Time uh, right I'm now. a big fan uh, of the fair. My record is 11 times in one year. Ele- oh, my gosh. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have a nutritionist on anytime soon because <laughs> I might get uh, blasted for that. I'm a, I'm a fair eater, not a ride goer. I got you. Well, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hold off on nutrition until maybe November. Maybe we'll, we'll get Thanksgiving. Giving, so yes, that'll be good. a December. A yeah, December I like assignment. that. <laughs> well, we've got a wonderful program lined up, and we are very, very excited to talk to our next guest. And she's she's on the other side of the microphone now. She is. This is a blast from the past. The transitions, life care, the aging matters, multiverse is in full effect. We've got Nicole Cleggett on the line. She is now the. Director of Community Development and Caregiver Support at Duke. She's got one of those big fancy titles now. Nicole, welcome back to the show. How are you? I am great. I'm so glad to be here. Nicole, talk to us. Where where have you been? How are you doing? What are you, What is your new role at Duke? Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life. Sure. Well, I'm back from a recent trip from Mars. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> I am... <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've been over here for almost two years now and have my hand in a, a few different pies at Duke, um, working with um, Duke Home Care and Hospice, actually doing uh, some fundraising and development for them. I also do uh, marketing and communications work for Duke Home Care and Hospice, but then also um, help to develop the Duke Caregiver Support Program, which we launched uh, in February of le- of this year, so it's been going on for uh, a few months now, and um, are really busy uh, getting the uh, Duke Caregiver Community events rolling. So super excited to kind of build that body of work within a health system. It's definitely different than doing it in community-based care, uh, and we are um, really happy to serve the people in our community that need support. That is awesome. You have a caregiver event coming up. Tell us more about it. Yes, yes. So we have the first ever in-person Duke Caregiver Community event coming up on October 28th. So this is the first time that I've been involved with an in-person event since 2019. So we're, we're trying to, you know, come to the other side of COVID while we know, um, you know, obviously COVID is still with us, we're all trying to learn, well, how do we live with COVID, right? And how do we put things into place to make things safe and still give people options to be virtually participate if, if that makes them comfortable. So we did just hold um, a virtual national event on September 20th, with folk, which folks can still access if they're interested, but have dipped our toes in the water to hold an in-person event on October 28th at the Sheraton Imperial. That is wonderful. So what's the schedule like? What can attendees expect and different topics that you're going through at the event? Yeah, so we are um, doing a a full day event. 
Um, so what you would normally expect where you'll see a number of different educational sessions. We have 84 exhibitors and sponsors. But we put into uh, effect a few different things that um, I think uh, folks will find really interesting. Uh, we have brought in a Portraits of Dementia exhibit, which mm. has uh, photographs of individuals that were taken all around the United States to really change the look and feel and the stigma around dementia. I think a lot of people make assumptions when you think of somebody who has dementia, they're an 85-year-old person, a woman typically, who's living in a maybe a nursing home. But the reality of it is that people can get dementia even at very young ages. The youngest uh, portrait is actually of an individual who is 29 years old oh, wow. and the oldest is 100. So that's really exciting. So we are we actually are the first stop on this gallery visit uh, around the country. So we're bringing that. Um, we're also doing a Duke Well Wellness Clinic because we know caregivers often don't do a great job of caring for themselves. And, you know, coming out of COVID, I think a lot of us in general, you know, kind of avoided going to doctors unless we really, really had to. So there's going to be the ability for folks to get some checks on how they're doing physically. And we'll even be doing some just depression screens if folks are feeling like their mental health is, is really suffering as a result of their caregiving role. And we'll be able to connect them to resources. Um, we're also going to have a, a really interesting space. We're creating a demonstration area called a safe space. And because we know, and I know you know this too, Mary, um, you know, the, the most common place for older adults to have a fall is in their bathroom. Mm -hmm. And so we have been working with physical therapists and occupational therapists. Uh, we're working with a group called Hope Renovations. And we are creating a before and after of a bathroom space. So what you might typically encounter when you enter in an older adult's home or a person with a chronic illness of what you see when you walk in. And then what are some simple modifications in the after that we can do to actually make that space safer? And so we're going to kind of show people those things versus just tell them and really give them some ideas on what they can do to make that space safe for their loved ones so that they can live at home longer. Wow, this sounds like a really interactive conference, lots of ways for people to engage with other caregivers and with um, attendees and vendors of the that are attending the conference as well. Um, I love the um, kind of virtual, the, the live setup of the bathroom. That's such a great um, opportunity for for our caregivers. I, that's something, like you said, that I deal with my grandfather. You know, he, that's one of the scariest things for us. It's it's getting him from his chair to the bathroom and what happens next and and and, and getting yeah. him back to the chair, um, but also mm -hmm. navigating like the rug on the floor in the bathroom. And mm -hmm. with this walker, it's it's a scary, um, mm -hmm. scary little transition there. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. My grand my grandfather, too, had actually when I was caregiving for him in my home, that is the only place he ever had a fall was in the bathroom. And part oh. of it was he didn't really want his granddaughter assisting him in the bathroom. And <laughs> exactly. I knew. If I was, and I understand, obviously, I understand that. Yes. But I also knew that he was going to have a fall at some point, and he mm -hmm. did. And, you know, luckily he was okay. He had a huge bruise across his back. But, yeah, so hopefully this will help people give, you know, and give them some insight on what they can do to make it more safe. That is great. So what is the cost to all this? Is there a cost for caregivers um, that are attending? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, obviously this is, um, you know, we're trying to make this a gift between all the community organizers, which are Alzheimer's Association, the Triangle J Council of Governments, the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina, and Duke Health. We're trying to make this as much as possible a gift to the community, but it is a, a very, very expensive uh, venture to put on. So we do have a nominal fee that we are charging uh, attendees, which is $10 um, to attend, and, you know, that includes everything that you're going to experience that day, including lunch. Oh, well, you can't get lunch for that cheap outside of a conference. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah. That is great. So tell us a little bit more about the caregiver support program at Duke as well. I want to touch on that because there's some great benefits to the things you all are doing in the community. I want to make, make sure that all of our listeners know about that. Sure, sure. So our caregiver support program is open to anyone in the community, so you don't have to be a Duke Health patient uh, at all. And really, uh, the the point behind it is to really connect uh, family caregivers with different types of resources that exist in the community. So whether it is a support group, or maybe you need somebody to go to your home to help your mom get her hair done because it's just a taxing effort for her to get to the hairdresser. Or maybe you need a traveling podiatrist. Or maybe you want, you're thinking about the future and you're thinking, well, gee, you know, what does the future look like when my loved one has a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, for example? And so you're starting to think about, you know, what are some of the long-term care options? So lots of different things like that, um, connecting people to other educational um, organizations, to disease organizations, to organizations like Transitions Life Care, of course. And so, you know, all of the different things that really are at our fingertips on our community, we've taken a lot of time to vet and make sure that they are organizations of excellence and to make sure that they can handle the needs of, of the loved one that we're trying to assist. That is wonderful. And Nicole, if folks want to find more information about attending the Duke Caregiver Community event or want to find more information about the Caregiver Support Program, where do they go? So to find information about the Duke Caregiver Community event, you go to Duke caregivercommunityevent.org and for the support program it's the duke caregiver community uh, excuse me duke caregiver support program.org but the the purpose of today is really to get people to know about the event so um, either of those locations can help you get to where you need to go and we look forward to seeing you there excellent duke caregivercommunityevent.org did i get that right you sure did. Excellent. Duke Caregiver Community Event.org is where you want to go if you want to attend the event happening on October 28th, a wonderful in person event for you to get access to a bunch of resources and hopefully help you along the way on your caregiving journey. Nicole Cleggett, Director of Community Development and Caregiver Support at Duke. Nicole, it was so great having you on the program again. We really appreciate your time, and it was just so nice to talk to you again. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. It was our pleasure. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll have more right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. 
Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to find more information out about Transitions Life Care, you can go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we are now going to turn our focus upon COVID immunizations and boosters, and we are very pleased to welcome onto the show Carrie Blanchard. Carrie is the Interim Director of the Immunization Branch of the Division of Public Health within the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Carrie, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I think we're at this point, and we, we had a guest on previously who was talking about the stages of COVID, and we're all hanging, and it's like, okay, now what? I, am I on the correct booster? Should I be one step ahead? Should I be on another booster at this point? So, Carrie, help us clarify some of the mystery. Who is eligible for boosters currently, and should we be what, – what booster should we be on at this point? Yeah, and that's a great question as, you know, guidelines continue to change, and we want to make sure that people stay – up to date, as we call it. So uh, currently, there is a new updated booster that is available for individuals 12 years and older. And uh, that new booster really is a mix, a 50-60 mix of the original virus and that Omicron subvariant, which is uh, what's currently circulating today. And what we in North Carolina see most of our infections are that Omicron. Additionally, uh, Anyone who's 5 to 11, they're currently also eligible for that original booster. But we expect this um, to change actually in the coming weeks and that the new booster would be authorized for the 5 to 11-year-olds as well. So definitely keep your eyes out uh, on the news and through DHHS because we will be announcing um, the availability of that when it becomes available. You know, you use the word up to date, which can be confusing for many. Are you considered fully vaccinated if you've only had one vaccine and no booster? Or are you fully vaccinated if you've only if you've had the vaccine in one booster? What does up to date mean with COVID vaccines at this point? Right. That's a it's a great question. And it actually did recently change the up to date definition with the new booster that did come out. So, uh, now you're considered up to date uh, if you've received your COVID vaccines, you've completed your COVID vaccine primary series, so those original one or two uh, doses, and you've received the most recent booster that is recommended for you. So if you're 12 and older, you are now up to date only if you've received that new updated booster. Hmm. Um, fully vaccinated, you know, it's still considered that you've completed that primary series. Gotcha. I can see so how that'd be confusing. The, obviously, you're fully you're that you're that you're up to date. Definitely. So, how long are you considered boosted? How long does booster protection last at this point with the the um, current boosters that are out? How long can you expect that to last and be protecting you against the virus? Yeah, that's a another question that continues to be studied, and so the evidence right now that that we know of is that you continue to have protective effects for at least five to six months, but that we're, you know, continuing to, to do studies to see how long, and it could go longer than that, but that's what our evidence is. We also know that you are considered um, boosted and you, 
that you immediately have some immune effect uh, immediately after that booster shot, which is a little different from your primary series where they said you aren't, you know, fully vaccinated till maybe two weeks after that second dose. So can you mix vaccines? I know I've had the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and Johnson Johnson booster. If you've had the Moderna, can you get the Pfizer? Is it okay to mix or should you stay all within the same vaccine like brand, I guess? Yeah, it, it's all right to mix. Um, definitely if you got J&J, it's now recommended for your boosters uh, to get an mRNA vaccine. So that's the Moderna or the Pfizer. And then if you have received um, Moderna for your primary series, you can get uh, Pfizer for your booster. So you can mix and match uh, within the mRNA ma- vaccines now. And in fact, there are some studies that may suggest that that uh, could provide a little additional protection to, to mix and match. Interesting. So we're coming upon flu season, um, which is the dreaded time of is it flu, is it COVID, or is it allergies? Um, Mm -hmm. Do we need to wait after getting the flu vaccine or another vaccine before getting our COVID boosters? Or can you get them all at once? And if so, should you expect to see heightened symptoms from getting them together? Talk to us a little bit about combining vaccines all at once. Right. So this is an important question, especially during this time of the year. You most routine vaccines can be received at the same time as the COVID uh, booster or your COVID primary series, including the flu. In fact, it's encouraged uh, if it's more convenient for you to consider getting both the flu and COVID booster together. I I did because it was one less trip to the pharmacy or your doctor, um, but uh, there may be uh, some immunizations that are not uh, available. And so I do recommend you talk to your provider, your pharmacist, your physician um, prior to getting that. Uh, We don't, especially with the flu and the COVID combined, don't expect any heightened symptoms uh, other than what, you know, is already indicated uh, for, you know, achy, pain at the site, um, maybe a low-grade fever, Uh, Those are the symptoms that you can already expect from the COVID vaccine and um, nothing will be heightened or or worsened from getting multiple vaccines at the same time. It's really good to know. Are there resources through the Department of Health or the Division of Public Health uh, or the state in general for those who have limited mobility uh, or no transportation to get vaccines? Yeah, uh, DHHS has compiled a a list of community resources available for transportation or limited mobility in each county. And so you should be able to find that on our website or North Carolina DOT website um, to help, uh, depending on what county you're in, Uh, it should be specific to your county. Great. That's good to know. So tell us, is this the new normal? We talked about this on a show recently of what is the new normal? Um, is is what we're looking at the new normal? Will, will we be getting COVID vaccines and boosters like this, like the flu shot, like we're getting it yearly? Is this something we should expect ongoing? Yeah, I, I do think that uh, staying up to date and getting um, whatever the new recommendation will be the new normal. I think it's still early, too early to say definitively uh, what that cadence will be. This is a different virus than the flu virus. And um, 
flu, you know, is, is pretty seasonal. And unfortunately, right now, we're still seeing with COVID virus that, you know, we've, we've seen spikes in the summertime and in months that we don't typically see uh, flu circulating. And so depending on how long uh, these vaccine boosters last and continue to stay protective, and I think you will see that we need a routine um, booster, but what that cadence will be, um, I think is still a little bit to, do, to be determined. Excellent. And Carrie, if folks want to stay on top of all the information that DHHS is putting out, where can they go to find that? Yeah, they can go to uh, North Carolina's Department of Health and Human Services, our COVID vaccine uh, landing page. We also, if you're looking to find um, a, a vaccine, you can go to myspot.nc.gov myspot.nc.gov. Carrie Blanchard, Interim Director of the Immunization Branch of the Division of Public Health at NCDHHS. Thank you so much for your time today. This was incredibly enlightening. We had so many questions related to the immunizations and the boosters, and you've you've really helped us and our audience have a, a better grasp of where we stand now. So thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we're going to shift directions a little bit. We're now going to get into a discussion on long COVID, and, you know, we are having a very medical centered discussion today, but you know, there are still a lot of questions about long COVID and there's, uh, we all know someone who has dealt with COVID, but the effects of long COVID, uh, can be quite serious. So we're very thankful to have a thorough discussion on that right now. We are pleased to welcome to the show, Dr. Chuck Whiting. He's a nurse practitioner with WakeMed Primary Care. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I feel like COVID, we've, we've said that word so many times on the show. It feels like it's never ending and it, it, it just won't go away. And we see new variants and it's just going and going and going. So, Chuck, are you still seeing cases in your practice and have some of the symptoms lessened in, in the variants that we're seeing now? Uh, yes, we're still seeing cases, uh, but the number of cases has gone down dramatically since the peak a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're... We are expecting that we are in a lull now um, and sort of holding our breath for the next surge, um, hoping there won't be one. But mm-hmm. but I think realistically, we're going we're gonna to see at least one more. Right. And are you still having people coming in for booster shots and keeping up on their vaccines? I think it's we're in that, you know, period now where boosters are coming every few months. Is that something that you're still seeing as well? 
Yes. And, you know, we're seeing the folks, uh, you know, getting their booster shot at six months. Uh, and, you know, so there's a, there were a, a lot of people who just over time are now still coming up on their six month mark. That's good. That's good to and, know. And I, I think there are some countries that are already working on a second booster shot. Right, right. I was watching the news this morning and saw a bit of that going on. So that's good to hear. You know, something that is scary about COVID, and it's kind of uncertain and a little bit unknown and it's causing anxiety in many, is the potential for it to last longer just than the infection itself of having COVID. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what is long COVID? You know, we hear this word in the news and, and floating around. And what is the real risk of getting long COVID? Well, long COVID is um, symptoms that do not go away at the end of the illness. And there's a couple different ways to look at it. Um, you can look at it and say, well, it's after four weeks if you're still having symptoms. You know, maybe that's long COVID. Um, some professionals are saying, you know, you really need to give it three months um, to see um, if before, before we start calling it long COVID. And I'm, I'm with the group that thinks about three months out, uh, if you haven't recovered completely from your initial illness, that's probably the time to start calling it long COVID. Um, you know, the kind of things we're seeing with long COVID are um, the symptoms that you had with the COVID. Some people with difficulty breathing, some people feeling really tired, um, not having enough energy, um, not having the, the, the stamina that you had before you were sick, um, just lingering after the illness. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that new symptoms pop up after COVID that are being pointed to, hey, you, you did have COVID, that could be a symptom of that and, and long COVID. Do you see people coming up with new things like heart problems or, or other, other symptoms that are um, related but are a part of the long COVID instead? Yes, definitely. Um, and that's all over the country. We're seeing those things. Um, we see um, a higher risk for heart attack or stroke mm. after the COVID. Mm -hmm. um, the Veterans Administration did a study in 2021, and they found that uh, the risk for all types of heart disease uh, went up after COVID so that there were 45 extra cases of heart disease diagnosed per thousand veterans hmm. uh, in the post-COVID veterans compared with the veterans who had never had COVID. And, and that's, a, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty concerning number. Wow, that is. Ha happily, some of those are going to be transient events mm -hmm. where you have some inflammation in the heart, which is not uncommon with the, with the long COVID. And hopefully that is a, you know, a, a short-term thing. It'll happen for a while, and the and the body will recover and go on. Mm -hmm. um, wow! But you, that's not the case in all of those things. You know, I'm I'm gonna put my uh, my dad's wife on blast here, but <laughs> uh, she had that happen to her and um, ended up at urgent care thinking she was having a heart attack, um, and she was in a lot of pain. And she went to a Wake Med urgent care, and they actually put her in an ambulance and took her straight to Wake Med and. Um, and did some testing on her and found that her heart was just very inflamed and they were 
pointing it to COVID. And, and she didn't know that she could have had COVID, but that's the only explanation they really had for it is this could be a long COVID kind of effect. And um, she ended up exactly. in the hospital for quite a few days and then on medication for a couple months following to try to get the inflammation down. But it was just so random. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you mentioned the three month, um, you know, time frame of thinking about when long COVID starts. Are you still contagious if you're still, you know, I I know people have like a little lingering cough. Is that still COVID contagious, or, or are you still okay to to you know walk about the cabin uh, after your quarantine period? You should not be contagious after about ten days um, from either your. Um, your positive tests or the first sign of symptoms. So after that point, you you shouldn't be able to make anybody else sick. Um, and you're you are yes free to move about the cabin at that point, <laughs> um, even even if you're still having some lingering symptoms. Chuck, I've seen information uh, bandied about about the COVID vaccines and how it. Uh, the correlation between, you know, less likely to die from COVID as well as uh, experiencing milder symptoms when you have been vaccinated. Does that also correlate to long COVID as well? Are we seeing that if you're vaccinated, you're less likely to suffer from long COVID symptoms or maybe they're not as harsh? Yes, they are. The chance of having long COVID after being vaccinated is a about 50% of, of having long COVID uh, if you had the illness itself. Um, but it's not a complete, so it's not a, a, a complete preventative. Um, in terms of how severe the symptoms are, I don't, I don't think we're sure exactly uh, if it's going to really affect how, how significant your long COVID is. That makes plenty of sense. We are speaking with Dr. Chuck Whiting. He is a nurse practitioner with WakeMed Primary Care, and we're talking all about COVID-19. We know it's uh, unfortunately it's still a problem while uh, things are getting better. It's still something that we need to be aware of and taking precautions with, and we're talking a little bit more specifically about long COVID, and we're going to continue our conversation with him right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care, right here on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Dr. Chuck Whiting. He is a nurse practitioner with Wake Med Primary Care, and we were talking all about COVID-19, in particular, long COVID. These are COVID symptoms that uh, last uh, uh, longer than the, the usual duration that we have associated with COVID-19. And, um, you know, uh, 
at least I've read some horror mm-hmm. stories about uh, the impact that long COVID can have, and it's it's scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you and Chuck? Do you think that anyone can get long COVID, or if you have a pre-existing condition, do you think that makes people more susceptible to it? Um, I believe, certainly believe that anyone can get long COVID. Um, in all the research we've done in the last couple of years, we haven't been able to identify what the exact risk factors are. It really does seem to be random. Uh, but if you have a pre-existing condition like uh, uh, COPD or emphysema or you've got some heart disease, then, you know, your risk for having that worsened by the COVID uh, is definitely uh, up there. Uh, you know, someone who has some lung issues who ends up with a COVID pneumonia, their lung issues are going to be worse when they come out the other side. And, and I would assume then logically, then you're more likely to have a long COVID kind of symptom. Mm-hmm. Same with heart disease, um, kidney disease. If you have kidney disease, you got to be worried for um, the the COVID creating more kidney damage, kind of, kind of just kind of making that one mm-hmm. step worse. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's such such an unknown thing, and all the research that's going on about it is so important. Chuck, what do you do if you think you have long COVID? And I know my boyfriend has had this lingering cough and it's just bothering him like crazy since he had COVID. It's just a tickle in his throat, but it's there forever, he feels like. What would you do if you if you think you're having long COVID symptoms or issues? Well, I would recommend following up with your primary care provider. Uh, that per, Your provider is going to be able to help you with a few things like further testing. Uh, maybe uh, some x-rays, maybe some medication just to kind of help you get through uh, the symptoms. If they're just symptoms that are lingering and are going to resolve on their own in another four to six weeks, um, you know, maybe some medication for a short term is going to help. Um, but beyond that, um, if, you're, if you're really having some difficulties, uh, folks who had COVID pneumonia, for mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm. Uh, are going to have some, maybe some trouble uh, with their exercise endurance, even walking into a grocery store from the parking lot, maybe something that gets them out of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, your primary care provider can do something like help you get a handicapped parking placard for six months. Mm-hmm. So while you're recovering, you're parking up close and not having to, to you know, use all your energy just getting to the grocery store's front door. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have to be out of work for an extended period of time, your primary care provider uh, can fill out the FMLA paperwork to give you an accommodation at work so that you have some extra time um, that's protected. Um, a lot of folks will need physical therapy, um, you know, or or a further evaluation by a specialist. And primary care is, is your first best point for getting all that kind of help. That's a great, those are some great suggestions. I can imagine some of these symptoms that you're talking about could impact work as, as we slowly get back into the office and people are moving away from work from home. I can, I can definitely see where, um, you know, something like being out of breath um, or having a consistent cough or um, some of these things could really impact your work. And um, so you mentioned the, the disabilities. Is, is long COVID a disability then? Yes, since uh, about spring of 2021, uh, with this, the government has recognized long COVID symptoms as a disability, 
and there are protections under the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, for folks who have it. One of those things could be accommodations at work, as we talked about, um, people who just don't have the stamina uh, that they had anymore. Maybe people who are still having some brain fog, uh, you know, may need some help at work, longer time for assignments, uh, a closer parking space, working from home. All of these things are, are accommodations that you can ask for uh, under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Wow. And the things you don't yeah. know. Um, are there, there any, I know there's a lot of research going on about it, and you've mentioned some of the things that are happening. Are there any real clear causes yet? And I know that there, we just don't know that much about COVID, but have they pointed to anything that is significant? For the long COVID, no, because people who have really mild cases of COVID mm-hmm. um, are are possibly getting long COVID as well. So mm-hmm. someone who had the mildest case then ends up with brain fog afterwards, where they, they just have trouble concentrating at times or, or are more tired afterwards. Um, and and the, the long COVID is, is often as worse as the mild symptoms they had from the COVID to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, getting your vaccine definitely, as we said before, uh, will reduce your risk for getting long COVID by about 50%. Um, but we have next to nothing going into getting COVID where we can say, oh, yeah, you're going to be more likely to get long COVID than the person next to you. You know, Chuck just says, uh, I don't know, a, a normal layperson here in the world. <laughs> it, it seems like the information, uh, at least that we're getting from the media with regards to COVID-19 has really slowed down. I mean, there's lots of crazy events going on in the world and, you know, the news cycle is going to shift. So it, it seems like, you know, the, the information trickling down to the average person has kind of slowed down with regard to COVID-19. It, it, are you is that the same on the physician level? Like, are you still getting lots of new information and studies related to COVID-19 or has, has that slowed down as well? well? It slowed down a little bit since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was, there was really a push to get as much information out as we could and get everybody up to speed on what was happening and trying to keep everybody, you know, updated with all the new stuff. Um, but yeah, we're still, we're still getting new information all the time. Um, but it's, not as impactful, I would say, as as in the beginning when everyone was still kind of fresh with it. Perfect. All right, and Chuck, I just want to reset real quick here. So if someone is experiencing COVID symptoms, can you just briefly go over again, you know, when should we be concerned about long COVID? And again, what are the steps that we should do personally if we're experiencing that? So if you have, if you're basically healthy, you have no chronic conditions like asthma, COPD, diabetes, high blood pressure, kidney disease, something that you're taking medicine for every day, uh, then I would wait four weeks or so as long as the symptoms are mild and then go see your provider. Uh, A lot of times with an illness, there can be some lingering symptoms like a dry cough or a sore throat or a little fatigue um, that just takes your body time to recover from it. Uh, If on the other hand, you are have a chronic illness where you're taking medicine for it every day or your doctor's checking you every six months to make sure it's not getting worse like asthma or 
or uh, high blood pressure or heart disease, um, I would I would go see your doctor uh, pretty much right away after you've recovered or, or after you're not contagious from the COVID uh, and see if there's anything they're concerned about, anything they want to keep a closer eye on. Really want to thank Dr. Chuck Whiting, nurse practitioner with WakeMed Primary Care, for all your time today, Chuck, and for answering all of our questions. You, you did a wonderful job, and again, we, we appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for us today. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.